0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the sixth episode of Diplomatically Speaking With. My name is Zain, and as always, I'll be the host of Diplomatically Speaking With, or DSW for short. DSW is a series of interviews with the Diplomatic Corps in Malaysia. For each DSW, we'll be talking about the history, context, and opportunities of the bilateral relations between Malaysia and foreign countries. DSW is brought to you by KSI Strategic Institute for Asia-Pacific, better known as KSI, a top-ranked think tank based in Malaysia, and I am the Director of External Relations. For your information, KSI is an independent think tank with a vision to build better nations in Asia-Pacific. Today, we are diplomatically speaking with the High Commissioner of South Africa to Malaysia, His Excellency, Mr. Dave Malcolmson on everything South Africa-Malaysia relations. Excellency, how are you?
1: Very well, thank you. And thank you very much, Zyam, for hosting me today. Uh, it's a pleasure to be able to meet with the KSI Strategic Institute for Asia Pacific. Uh, I know that you're a very prestigious institution, so I'm looking forward for, to the exchange between us.
0: Uh, likewise, High uh, Commissioner, you know, we're excited to have you as well. Let me start with the first question. Uh, Excellency, you, do you mind sharing a little bit about your background?
1: Thank you very much. Uh, Obviously, I'm from South Africa, born and bred in Johannesburg, worked in Pretoria, obviously, most of my working life. Uh, The last 30 years, I've been a career diplomat and now I have ended up in Malaysia, previously having been posted in Beijing and prior to that to Zimbabwe. But primarily during my career working on issues of the African Union, on issues of the new Partnership for Africa's Development and the Strategic Partnerships with Africa, But then more recently, before Malaysia, working on the BRICS initiative, that's the Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa initiative, the Indian Ocean Rim Association, and IBSA, the India, Brazil, South Africa initiative. But it's a pleasure to be here in Malaysia.
0: This fascinating uh, diversity of experiences. Uh, You mentioned Beijing, Zimbabwe, African Union, all the way to BRICS uh, initiative. Um, Do you mind just sharing a little bit uh, about your appointment uh, as the High Commissioner of uh, South Africa to Malaysia. And I know that, you know, you are recent, uh, recently appointed uh, in, in, in March this year. Maybe uh, can you just walk us through sort of the, the moments before, the, you know, the sort of the context right before you were appointed and then what has been sort of the top three things that are important for you as the High Commissioner of South Africa to
1: Malaysia? No, thank you very much. I mean, for any career diplomat, it's the highlight of your career to be chosen by your president to represent your country in another country, uh, to represent the interests of your people and your region. So, of course, when uh, I was approached by the ministry to represent South Africa in Malaysia, I was extremely excited. But, of course, I was also very excited because I've spent quite a bit of time in Asia. I've seen a lot of Southeast Asia Uh, I'd been to Malaysia previously as part of President Mbeki's delegation to the Nam summit in 2003, where we also had meetings with uh, the Prime Minister at the time, uh, Dr. Tun Maatir, and uh, I was uh, well versed with Malaysia, having worked with them as well in the Indian Ocean Rim Association, and being well aware that there were many issues that we shared in common when it comes to things like South-South cooperation, the concerns and needs of the developing countries, uh the same uh solidarity we share with the liberation struggle of the palestinian people so i was as i say very excited to hear that i'd been uh, asked to come to malaysia and of course i didn't have to think longer than 30 seconds to agree to that that's uh you know
0: that's that's always always heartening to hear um when Malaysia is sort of you uh, top top of the preferences for many uh, high commissioners and, and investors, uh, sorry, high commissioner, can we can we uh, can you walk us through when you joined um, uh, when 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 you, when you were appointed uh, earlier this year? What are sort of the the three things that that you thought were you know or or you feel are important for you to achieve uh, in your term uh, as high commissioner?
1: Thank you. I mean that's obviously the first uh, question one has to ask when preparing to undertake the task. I think the most fundamental priority is to strengthen the bilateral and multilateral relationship between Malaysia and South Africa uh, and also frankly between Malaysia and Africa. Um, Obviously that's something that most ambassadors or high commissioners would say but in our case I think it's particularly important because of the history where the relationship, what I would characterize perhaps as the golden era was between 1994 and 2005, where the relationship was very strong, very vibrant, very strategic. And unfortunately, for whatever reason on both sides, we seem to have lost that focus and urgency uh, following on, uh, where today one could say, we are a bit stagnant in the relationship. So it's very much a case of having to find ways of reviving the relationship and luckily, in, in interacting with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs at Putra and other interlocutors in Malaysia, I'm finding that there's a similar feeling on the Malaysian side, that it is time that we revisit the relationship, we re-prioritize each other, and that we re-energize the relationship. Um, of course, the second priority, I think, as for most diplomats, is the economic diplomacy or commercial diplomacy. Uh, trying to get the trade and investment and tourism figures up again. Uh, They had been looking very good going into 2019, but obviously since the pandemic, things have uh, taken quite a, a, a hit in terms of the trade investment and tourism. So there has to be a focus on reviving that and getting that back up and running. And then thirdly, I think there are particular opportunities And I think for us in South Africa, working with Malaysia and particularly working with Malaysia in ASEAN, we see the halal sector as a very significant sector for cooperation. I think what many Malaysians don't realize is that although South Africa only has a relatively small uh, Muslim population of about 500,000, we are in the top five to seven global producers of halal products. And 60% of all the products in our retail markets, in the supermarkets and so on are all Halal certified. And three of our Halal certification bodies are recognized by JAKIM. So there's definitely opportunities there in the Halal sector. And I think in a related sector, the whole question of franchising. We have a very sophisticated franchising sector in South Africa. I think most Malaysians will be aware of Nando's, which is currently present in Malaysia. And that's just but one example of a very vibrant franchising sector, which I think then provides opportunities for opening more uh, franchises in Malaysia, making South Africa more visible to Malaysians, and then vice versa, helping Malaysian companies that wish to open franchises in South Africa. So I think those are really the three main areas that I'll be looking at and that I have been looking at since I got here in January this year. Very, and,
0: and you know, thank you for sharing because it's so strategic. You mentioned about the bilateral multinational ties, investment and in tourism, the halal sector, very targeted and focused. And I, I appreciate that you also mentioned about the golden era, which was between 1994 when South Africa transitioned uh, into the modern democracy that it is today, um, uh, and, and 2005. Um, if, if you can just walk us through sort of that golden era, I'm curious to know. Um, you mentioned very vibrant, very strategic. Um, could you elaborate in terms of the levels of collaboration and cooperation? Because this goes back to the historical context uh, mm-hmm. between the two countries. And I know that people-to-people relations go before uh, 1984. But if you can walk us through sort of that golden era, it's interesting to to, 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 to to better understand so that we can have some context.
1: Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And I think I want to take it even further back than the golden era, to the era era that we were both under Dutch colonial rule. Uh, There's a 350-400 year history of linkages and cultural exchanges between our two countries, uh, often not by choice. I mean, the Dutch used to take what they called um, imams from the Malay archipelago that were causing problems in the Malay Archipelago, and then bringing them to Cape Town, uh, to the Cape Colony as it then was. So there's a very vibrant community in South Africa, even today, which is called the Cape Malay community. That can, the, their links, their historical links, go back to that time of 350 years ago, and those imams from the Malay Archipelago, those people that were brought as labourers, uh, as slaves to the Cape Colony, uh, form what today is called the Cape Malay community, because of that, there's the cultural linkages, there's the cuisine, there's many elements of the, the cuisine in the Cape that Malays would recognize, there's even elements of the language, some of the words like "blatjan," pisang, "aspak," all come from the Malay uh, ties, so there was that historical cultural linkage that we had, But then of course, Malaysia was very strong in the anti-apartheid movement and in supporting us in our liberation struggle. So that once we achieved our freedom in 1994, Malaysia was very quick to put in in place the diplomatic relations between ourselves. And those relations then grew incrementally between 94 and say 2005. Um, And uh, the relationship I think was also founded on personal relationships. Uh, Dr. Tun Matir had a very good relationship with former President Mandela, with from, former President Mbeki. Uh, we worked together in things like the non-aligned movement in the Commonwealth and later in the Indian Ocean Rim Association. Uh, we had similar ideas around the concerns and needs of the South, South-South cooperation. There were the initiatives from Malaysia's side on the Lankawi Dialogue, on the Southern African International Dialogue, and all of these things sought to bring us together. Uh, we also work very closely in terms of the similarities that we have as societies. We have these uh, multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-religious, multi-language cultures uh, with similar needs and developing development needs. And because of that, we cooperated in areas like uh, your Bumiputra policy uh, with our broad-based Black economic empowerment, We learned from Malaysia on your Big Fast Results model to develop our own Operation Pakisa uh, in the oceans economy and in other sectors of the the economy. Uh, We we helped Malaysia when it came to developing a transport policy. We worked together on things like the offset policies when it comes to investments. So there was all of this going on. And on top of that, there was a lot of investment uh, between the two countries, but particularly Malaysia into South Africa. And at a point in time, I think Malaysia was the seventh biggest investor in South Africa. But then after 2005, particularly after 2008, with the economic crisis, the global financial crisis, there was a degree of disinvestment. So uh, we lost that uh, preeminent role of Malaysia investing in the South African economy. Uh, we do have that today. There are still investments, but not to the degree that there were. Um, and I think... But on both sides there was a certain uh, lack of focus. We chose to look more to our internal issues, Uh, we chose to look more at our regions. In the case of Malaysia you were looking more at ASEAN and to an extent the Organization of Islamic Cooperation and some of your other partners, China, Australia and so on. Uh, And equally we had a, a more intense focus on Africa as we developed the African Union, as we developed the Uh, the regional economic communities, and then other initiatives like BRICS. So I think because of that change of focus, because of the turn inward dealing with some issues, we lost that vibrancy and that energy that we had had in our bilateral relationship. So as I say, I think we're now at the point, both sides recognize that we need to adopt measures now, politically, economically, and otherwise, to re-energize the relationship, revitalize it, and move us forward.
0: Thank you for, for sharing such an uh, elaborate sharing of the, the shared um, culture and, and, and heritage between both sides. You mentioned about the, the Cape Malays, I especially enjoyed when you mentioned about the 300 years of shared histories, Dutch taking the errant imams uh, from the Malay archipelago to, to South Africa, regions of South Africa. You mentioned about ninety four when uh, Malaysia formed the relations with South Africa, the personal relations between Tud Mahade and Nelson Mandela. Uh, and uh in various multi uh, multilateral organisations such as the non-aligned movement, Commonwealth, South South cooperation. You mentioned about shared diversity that we we have multiracial, multi-religious, multicultural. Interestingly, you also mentioned about um, South Africa in, in when it comes to policies, for example, uh, you know the black economic empowerment, uh, drawing from lessons from Malaysia's uh, NDP. Um, you mentioned about the heavy investment uh, from Malaysia into South Africa, as being the seventh biggest investor at one point. Uh, now, now that you know we we were talking about sort of that economic cooperation, could you maybe elaborate in terms of present day current times uh, when it comes to trade and economic relations between uh, Malaysia and South Africa? If you can maybe also maybe share what are the particular industries or sectors that are relevant for both countries, I think that would be interesting to hear. Mm.
1: No, thank you very much. Uh, obviously, having said what I've said, it's not that nothing's happening. So there is uh, still a, a quite a degree of trade going on, investment, uh, and other interactions in the political and other spheres. Um, the trade primarily has been in Malaysia's favour. If one looks at the trade balance, it has been in Malaysia's favour. Um, the imports that South Africa brings in from Malaysia are largely in sectors like palm oil. Uh, Oil in general, petroleum products, uh, auto parts, clothing, uh, animal and vegetable fats, and so on. Uh, In terms of what we export to Malaysia, it's products uh, in the manganese fields, the concentrates in manganese, concentrates in tin, uh, stainless steel. Um, We have quite a large uh, export of uh, volume of exports of fruit and vegetables. Uh, and various types of sugars uh, sucrose and sugars to malaysia the trade was growing uh, quite happily from 2016 to 2019 but of course with the pandemic that has dropped off so one can see in 2019 the value of the trade between us was around 22.4 billion rand but by 2020 that had dropped to 18.2 billion rand So there's work to do to regain the lost revenues between us uh, in the imports and exports. And I think the uh, the areas that I've identified earlier and some other areas I can maybe talk about going forward uh, will enable us to to grow that trade again. And I think there are massive opportunities in trade that we've been missing because of the lack of focus. Um, On the investment side, we still have quite a significant investment in a manganese smelter in Sarawak. Uh, We have investment, uh, Sunlam, a South African company, has a partnership with MCIS Life Insurance in Malaysia. Uh, Of course, there's the Nando's, which isn't strictly an investment, but it's a South African company in uh, in Malaysia. We also have an agricultural project, Greenfields Farm, that's growing uh, fresh produce that doesn't use pesticides and chemicals. So that taps into the new way of looking at agriculture and food. Uh, that's uh, not tainted with uh, all sorts of chemicals and so on and there are a number of other uh, polyethylene and other chemical projects where we have investments in malaysia equally from the malaysian side the biggest investment i think is the petronas investment in the engine uh, petrol petroleum company in south africa um, there's also investments in const- the construction and leisure industry and uh, there's currently uh, an, a Malaysian company that's working on a project in the Durban uh, Harbour area. So those are things going forward. There are also smaller investments in palm oil uh, beneficiation and in auto pro- uh, products that are in South Africa. The tourism side, unfortunately, I don't think it's anywhere near what it could be between us, uh, and, but it was growing. But In 2019, we had quite a substantial growth in the tourism. But of course now, since the pandemic, the tourism has dropped to a very insignificant amount between us. And uh, obviously, that's the existing uh, portfolio, but there's many other areas that I think we can look at together going forward when uh, one looks at small and medium enterprises, uh, the whole question of uh, green technology, of blue economy, of the digital economy, and the fourth industrial revolution I think there are many opportunities in that and, and other fields.
0: This very, very interesting points you mentioned from uh, trade, trade numbers to investment numbers. Uh, interestingly, mentioned about um, uh, tourism suffering uh, before the pandemic. I guess it, it can the same can be said in, in other countries as well. But I think from 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 what you've shared, I think is it's. it's uh, Fair to say, I think the the trade cooperation uh, is considerable, and I think you know, I South Africa and Malaysia are, uh, in some ways, strong uh, trading partners. And of course, there's uh, much to be desired in terms of strengthening that relation. But I think both countries are are, are strong uh, partners when it comes to for you know economic relations. Um, I I wanna touch on um you mentioned just on what Nando's, and I thought that was super interesting. Sort of this uh, Nando's is sort of the the symbol of soft power <laughs> of, of South Africa in Malaysia, because, you know, a lot of Malaysians uh, love Nandos. Uh, if you can touch a little bit, not about Nandos, but maybe about the cultural cooperation uh, between South Africa and Malaysia. Uh, and in, in, uh, earlier, you alluded to the Cape Malays, uh, which, which I you know I find fascinating that we have, you know, you have, you have Malays in the other side of the, I mean, the other side of the, the world, so to speak. Um, can, can you talk a little bit more about the uh, cultural cooperation between South Africa and Malaysia? Um, if you can also touch on maybe are there any initiatives that Malaysians hearing this uh, should know about what South Africa is doing in this country, and maybe also uh, anything that's relevant when it comes to uh,
1: this topic? Mm. No, again, I have to say that on the cultural cooperation and possibly by extension, people-to-people cooperation and educational cooperation, there's a lot more we could be doing with each other, particularly if one looks at what we have already that's been given to us as a legacy uh, from that Cape Malay linkage, from the cultural, the cuisine, the language linkages, the historical linkages, the similar historical experiences, the similar experience that our people have had in terms of colonialism, in terms of what we need today for development uh, of our people, particularly in South Africa's case and to some extent in Malaysia's case, the development of previously disadvantaged communities. I think the, the, the whole area of culture and people to people cooperation and uh, education, skills development, exchange of of capacity and human resource development. These are all areas that I think we need to give more attention to in the future. Um, You know, we we also, apart from the Cape Malay linkage, we also have a historical legacy of a big Indian community and particularly around the Durban area. Uh, So like Malaysia, we have this blending of cultures, of cuisines, of languages, of people, and uh, I, I just need to re-emphasize the similarities that we share when it comes to this characteristics of, a, of countries being multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi uh, and multi-religious, as it were. Um, there's much that I think we can explore and do together there. And I think both countries, in terms of tourism, have the opportunity to, to offer particular cultural experiences. Uh, As one aspect of tourism, before you even look at the wildlife and the the scenery and uh, the adventure tourism, ecotourism, the other things that we have to offer, there's that very basic need of people to engage with each other and to understand each other and to share similarities and and, uh, areas where they can identify each other in each other. Um, There is a certain amount of exchange happening at the student level. Uh, There are South African students that study in Malaysia at various universities. There's also Malaysian students that study in South African madrassas. Uh, South African madrasas apparently have a very good reputation. And I think there's quite a significant amount of uh, Malaysian children studying in the madrasas in South Africa, um, which I, I hope will help us with uh, mutual understanding and uh, s- sending out the message that in Malaysia and South Africa, we both have partners that ha- understand each other. Um, Of course, there's other initiatives that we've been working on for a while, such as a memorandum of understanding on cultural cooperation. There's a memorandum of understanding on the mutual recognition of qualifications that we're working on. Uh, I think there's ideas around cooperation in science, technology, and innovation around how to use uh, current business ties for the training of interns. All of these things I think will help us to grow uh, the mutual understanding and the linkages and contacts between our peoples that would be so essential going forward. And you know when you, you, you mentioned
0: the the cultural linkages, people to people linkages and also mentioned about the diversity that we both share. Um, you also touched a little bit about uh, there's the exchange programs between the countries uh, and also the MOUs. I was when I was sharing this, uh, High Commissioner, what is the pitch? Uh, if you if you had to pitch uh, not to policymakers in Malaysia, but to everyday Malaysians in terms of those interested to to learn South Africa in whatever facet, mm. be you know traveling there for tourism purposes, studying there. Uh, what what do you think is the pitch that you mm. you wanna you know if this was a, a short pitch that you wanna share with everyday Malaysians? So the the key here is not every not policymakers. Uh, but everyday Malaysians, what do you think should be the pitch? What do you think sh- uh, should Malaysians know about South Africa? Um, bearing in mind, we've mentioned about the the, the diversity and and, and economic mm-hmm. cooperation, but what do you think should the everyday Malaysians know about South Africa that you, you think they don't know and they should know?
1: Well, I think the, the the main message that I would give to ordinary day Malaysians is that There's an old phrase that we used to use, that South Africa is a world in one country. So any Malaysian coming to South Africa would experience a whole range of rich new experiences, but would also not feel totally alienated, because there would be a lot about South Africa they would recognize in the similar experiences, in the similar needs, the similar concerns, the similar historical and cultural uh, linkages and, and experiences, uh, but of course, they would they would have a very exciting uh, product, if you want to call it that, or an exciting time if they came to South Africa, across a whole range of experiences, um, be it ecotourism, be it adventure tourism, uh, be it the traditional tourism of uh, what we call mountain beach and wildlife. Uh, we have some some of the best game reserves in the world, where you can see the big five live in its wild and inhabit in, uh, the, in the wild environment. Uh, You can have the most wonderful uh, coastline experiences, the most wonderful experiences in the mountains. But then you'll find in the cities, very rich cosmopolitan, diversified cities uh, with strong uh, infrastructure, with strong economies, uh, and with people that are very much like Malaysians. People that love family, people that love food, people that love uh, having a party. Uh, They're very warm and welcoming. So I think the Malaysians will recognize much of themselves in South Africans. And I think in the time that we, we did have a focus on each other, there was this mutual recognition that we can be very good partners because there's so much we share, these mindsets and experiences that we share, and therefore there are solutions for challenges and problems into the future that we can share and also learn from each other. I think there are many areas where we can learn from each other be it Malaysia learning from us when it comes to animal husbandry and breeding programs, or us learning from Malaysia when it comes to how to grow uh, the small and medium-scale enterprises in South Africa. Uh, And the industrialization and manufacturing path that Malaysia took, I think, is very instructive for us. And there's other areas of our economy where the Malaysian economy can learn from us. I know if one talks about pharmaceutical pharmaceutical corporation, for example. We have something called the BioVac Institute that uh, is involved with research and manufacturing of vaccines, uh, which is an area that perhaps we could cooperate on in the future. But there are many such examples of areas where we could cooperate uh, that I've mentioned. And um, perhaps if you'll allow me just to to elaborate again on some of the, the sort of areas where we could cooperate further. Um, As I said, the most exciting opportunity for me is the halal sector, and I see an area for mutual cooperation, for mutual benefit in developing halal parks in South Africa, where joint ventures could be formed between Malaysian and South African companies, where the benefit to the Malaysian company would be that South Africa is the most diversified economy in Africa We have extensive transport and infrastructural linkages into the the African continent. We have uh, one of the biggest banking sectors uh, that is South African in the African continent. We have some of the biggest cell phone companies in the African continent. We also have some of the biggest retail uh, shopping centers and, and shopping companies that are in the African market. So the Malaysian companies could leverage all of that To get Malaysian products through the halal parks and further up into Africa, uh, bearing in mind that there's about 600 million Muslims in Africa. So it's a huge market that I don't think Malaysia has looked at tapping at all yet. And just as Malaysia sees itself as a gateway to ASEAN, we very much see ourselves as a gateway to Africa, which would assist Malaysian companies. Equally then, South African companies would be able to utilize the fact that I think, Malaysia is regarded worldwide as the gold standard for halal certification. So these certain companies could le- leverage that partnership, that relationship to put a stamp of quality on what are quality products, and then be able to bring them into the Malaysian market at a competitive price. Uh, and they would be products then that the Malaysian consumer would trust because of the, the relationship. And again, using the gateway analogy, you could then also uh, take products up into the ASEAN market uh, using various transport linkages that Malaysia has. So I think that's a very significant area. And I think the other area Malaysia needs to possibly look at, Africa is the future when it comes to food security. So 60% of the world's arable land is to be found in Africa. And the realization I think that Malaysia and others has made in the pandemic, is that you cannot be tied to a limited food supply uh, value chain. And I think Malaysia has two or three major food suppliers, which I don't think in the long term is sustainable. So Africa very much provides that answer when Malaysia is looking for diversified food supply and global value chains. But also from South Africa's point of view, we provide a quality food product that can come in at a very competitive price. And I'm aware that there is work going on currently and in the food sector where certain South Africans are helping the Malaysian government in trying to reach, particularly the B40 uh, market in Malaysia, people that can't afford food food anymore because the prices have been rising so much. We're working with uh, certain authorities in Malaysia to try through mosques, through uh, supermarkets that service the, the lower income parts of the society to make sure that we can import food that would be affordable and of good enough quality for, for the lower income groups in Malaysia. So I think these all these areas which provide us with, with many opportunities. And of course, then there's all the normal range of opportunities in oil and gas, in auto, um, in the defence sector, uh, mineral beneficiation, the list goes on. Um, of what we could be doing together in the future. But I, I think I've t- brought those particular ones up as areas where we can really benefit together on if we work together on these things.
0: And I love so much um, that you, you you took the time to explain this uh, more in depth. Uh, you mentioned about the, the tourism aspect, about the, the Hala sector, but also in the context of uh, South Africa being the most diversified economy in the African continent, uh, strong banking and, and, and financials. And retail sector, as you mentioned about uh, food security, as looking at South Africa as the answer providing quality, affordable uh, food products to Malaysia. Hearing all of this, um, what do you think are the challenges, the barriers? And I remember vividly listening to a story of uh, entrepreneurs saying that they they would invest uh, in 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 parts of Asia, uh, you know, America. But somehow or other, we talk about South Africa or or Africa, you know, by extension, that there's not much visibility amongst, uh, you know, Malaysians when you're talking about this. What what do you think are the barriers? Is this this lack of promotion slash marketing or do you think there are actual structural barriers that are preventing Malaysians, be it, you know, entrepreneurs or, or, you know, or students uh, from, 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 you you know, going to South Africa and and,
1: and, uh, doing business or or studying. What what, what do you think are your thoughts on this? I think it's a bit of both. And primarily, I would say it's a lack of knowledge. Um, As I said, many Malaysians knew about South Africa, knew about Africa in the 90s and early 2000s. But somehow, that intimate knowledge of what is happening in South Africa, what's happening in Africa, seems to have been lost over the past uh, 15 or so years. Uh, And I think many Malaysians would be shocked if they had to go back now to see how South Africa has developed, how Africa has developed. I mean, there's the classic example of how in in 2000, The Economist had this uh, caption, this headline about uh, Africa, the hopeless continent. But yet by 2018, I think it was, The Economist had a new headline saying Africa, the rising continent. So there's a lot that's going on in Africa in terms of uh, the political changes, but primarily in terms of the economic changes. You generally find that in the list of top 10 GDP growth countries every year, there's at least six or so of the 10 that are African. And you see it across the continent. Of course, there are countries which still have problems, but across the continent in general, that you see a story of economic growth, you see a story of vitality, you see a story of innovation. Uh, the Africa today uh, is, is leading the world in terms of technology about how to use cell phones for payment, of how to use cell phones for business. Uh, And in in other areas, Africa is leading the way. For example, in South Africa, the Square Kilometre Array is the biggest project globally that involves the use of big data. And it's the biggest uh, uh, project worldwide in terms of what's happening in studying the universe and space and so on. So I don't think people are aware of this because they've lost that intimate and in-depth knowledge about what's happening in Africa, what's happening in South Africa. Having said that, like all countries and like all continents, we do have our issues, we do have our problems, but I think we're finding solutions to those and we're working towards a future that will be far brighter and more prosperous than the Africa that many people uh, think they know about. So uh, you're right. I think it's a matter of changing the narrative of getting people to look past the stereotypes and perceptions that might have existed, say, in the 1990s, to realize that those perceptions and stereotypes are no longer valid. And equally, for the Malaysians that were investing in South Africa in the 90s, that were traveling to South Africa and to Africa, nothing's changed in terms of what attracted you then is still in place. There's still the strong banking sector, there's still the strong legal sector, there's still the strong business uh, innovation environment. Uh, What's happened is that things have got better in other areas when it comes to the use of uh, cell phones and when it comes to the use of, of the whole digital economy, the fourth industrial revolution, all of those things are changing how business is done. Um, And equally, the tourism products have changed quite significantly since uh, the time that Malaysians were were in South Africa. Um, I've struggled to find any Malaysian that's been to South Africa since 2005. I think the only one that i found who's been since 2005 was actually His Majesty the King, who had been to South Africa for the 2010 World Cup. So I think it's really a matter of people getting to know the new African story, the more positive African story, and the South African story, which uh, has a lot of good news uh, items about it. But yes, your second part was the structural uh, impediments. There are some structural impediments. Uh, For example, trying to break into the food sector in Malaysia is not easy. There are certain vested interests that uh, don't like (laughs) new competition. Um, There's areas around the certification for Halal certification that are unnecessarily stringent. We're not saying reduce your, your, the quality of your assurance, but there's ways of expediting that quality assurance where you've already recognized the Halal certification bodies in South Africa, where South Africa has already for decades been selling into the Middle East, into the Gulf states, into Saudi Arabia and others. Um, surely the, the, it shouldn't take five years to register an abattoir. When we have this track record, we have this history of providing good halal products at a competitive price. So those structural elements, I think, also can be looked at and worked on as we, as we go forward.
0: And, and, you know, this is why we do these interviews, so that we can get that, that great South African story out there, so people can learn about the potential uh, opportunities. I mean, obviously there are challenges, but I think there are a lot more opportunities that can, um, you know, that can be explored uh, between Asians and then South Africans. Uh, Excellency, we are almost time, and I have one final question. Uh, this has been such an inter- interesting interview. Most interviews there is an exchange of conversation, but I think I was just happy. I was just happy to listen to, to you share because I think there's so much that I did not know about uh, South Africa, and I think you shed a lot of uh, light. on on South Africa, be the economy, tourism sector, halal sector was interesting. Now, the the final question is, what is your call to action? Uh, And and this is a diverse audience. So they're businesses, young leaders, government bureaucrats, policymakers. So what is your call to action to our audience uh, that are interested in furthering, in getting to know, in in, in advancing that South Africa-Malaysia relations?
1: I think, I think that's a great way to round up. And firstly, let me apologize for dominating the conversation. Not at all. You said you normally have it more interactive. I apologize for dominating. I think the call to action is that, firstly, we need each other. There's much that we can do together that is in our mutual interests. Whether it's working together in multilateral organizations uh, like the Indian Ocean Rim Association, Uh, of how we better utilize our combined resources in the oceans economy, Uh, for example, how we guarantee maritime defense and security in the Indian Ocean and many other issues. Uh, Equally, as non-aligned movement in the United Nations, there's things like Palestine that we can work on together. Um, We need each other also in terms of the, the food security, quite frankly, that we're both looking for. In terms of providing quality products at good pricing, um, we're both looking for trade opportunities. We're both looking for investment opportunities. And I believe there are projects and there are sectors which can provide both of us with what the Chinese call the win win solution. So I think it's a matter of we should, on both sides, commit to looking at what worked in the past, examining why we were so strong together in the 90s and early 2000s and committing to go back to that, of reprioritizing each other, of refocusing on each other and realizing that it's in both our interests that we re-energize the relationship and take it to greater heights, Um, be it economically, be it in the political sphere, or even as you said earlier, be it in the cultural or the people to people cooperation spheres. There's much that we can and should be doing together And I can assure you that Malaysian people will receive a very warm welcome in South Africa. Just as Malaysians became tourists in the 90s, became investors in the 90s, you'll find that that South Africa that gave you such great returns in terms of enjoyment as a tourist, in terms of economic returns as an investor, you'll find that same South Africa is still sitting there waiting for you. And I know having come to Malaysia a few times and seen Malaysia and the region that you're situated in, South Africans have an equally pleasant experience when it comes to touring Malaysia, touring ASEAN region, uh, but equally doing business in the region. I'm sure there's the South African franchises that I've been interacting with that will very soon be trying to enter the Malaysian market. So I think that's really the main call to action is let's give each other a chance again. Let's recognize that there's things that worked in the past that we need to have work again, and that it's really in both of our interests to do that into the future.
0: And I think there's an excellent way to close uh, this interview. I wish we had more time to talk about other issues like you mentioned, the Indian Ocean Rim Association, you know, uh, the, the collaboration on that front. South-South uh, Corporation, Palestine Struggle, uh, prospects of the FTA, which we don't mm-hmm. have time to go in depth. but I think maybe if you can do round two I didn't
1: maybe. even touch the defense cooperation, Exactly, a in defense cooperation as
0: well <laughs> Maybe we'll do a part two, when you have mm-hmm. uh, maybe you clocked in some mileage as uh, the High Commissioner a few months, or uh, maybe a year from now, we'll come back for part two, uh, and get an update on your progress as High Commissioner of South Africa to Malaysia, maybe you can do a physical uh, face-to-face, where. We can uh, you know, see you in person and, and, and do a, a, round, a follow-up interview. Uh, but thank you so much for your time, uh, High Commissioner. Before I end, just want to ask all of the audience listening to follow South Africa High Commission in Malaysia. There's three things you should follow. The first is the Facebook page. is at SA High Malaysia. And the handle is the same for Instagram. At SA High com Malaysia. Uh, follow both of those uh, social media channels because they have very interesting uh, updates uh, on South Africa-Malaysia relations. And obviously, there's also the website, uh, www.drco.gov.za slash Malaysia. And I hope all of you uh, will take time uh, to go to this interview. And if you've heard all the way to this end, thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you in the next DSW. Uh, till then, see you soon. And thank you, uh, High Commissioner.
1: Thank you, Zaim. Thank you, KSI.